I don't know what no. happened to the to the to the foam. I think that was just that particular piece of foam. Blue is, is weak. Sucked. <laughs> no, it's not. It's blue ribbon. It's the first. It's the money ball. Do Isn't you- that in in what in in uh, croquet? Right? Isn't is that the, the number one ball? Right. Number blue. one balls are blue balls. No, 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 no. you're. Right. I think you're right. <laughs> it's the, it's and it's it's weird it's because red. I'm sitting here thinking about it, and I remember that all the stakes have the ball the ball order and stripes on them. Oh, snap. yes. Yeah, I Both didn't even the realize there was a hierarchy of balls. Clearly, I'm an inexperienced croquetist. Mm, well, you need to. It play determines croquet. turn order, and that's how. And it's like oh. I said, it's marked on the it's marked on the the pegs. That's, thank you. That's logical. Thank you. Thank you very much. Why? You need to play more royal games. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I used oh. to fence. That's sort of royal. Sword, epée, or foil? Foil. It's, by sword, do you mean saber? Yeah. Did I say sword, epée, <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Luke is just like, no. what the fuck are these people talking Flinch about? Flinchlock. Flinchlock? Flinchlock. Roger Kibley. I used a tree box. That's, 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 that's a flinchlock. <laughs> oh, and that's yeah. how you're going to die on the toilet. <laughs> exactly. It is. It oh. is. I'm gonna be reading more goddamn Doc Savage, and I'm gonna fucking die on a toilet. Is what's gonna happen? <laughs> like if for some odd reason I end up ever hating you, I'm gonna send you care packages that consist nothing other than uh, Breed Three and Doc Savage. Breed Three, Doc Savage, the Invincible, or what yeah, if, the uh, Infinite. Anything the infinite. by Rob Liefeld yeah. is what you're trying yes. to say. Yeah. So anyway, on top of that, Dear there Luke, was hair all over this too. All over the mic. That's all where my over balls. The mic too. Well, <laughs> See, it just—if it was white hair, it was definitely his ball hair, <laughs> white and straight. Like it's like a wizard's nut hair. It was, it was a the fact like, that you're an expert on my nut hair is just kinky. yeah, that's kind of scary. Well, if you'd too. stop rubbing it all over the fucking mics, then I wouldn't be an expert on it. Sorry about that, Ann. No, yeah. I'm He'll just be scarred. Kind of amazed that y'all have more. You know, you have this deep expertise of balls and their covering. Well, every, we all have them. <laughs> Well spunked. Have you not been hearing me? Oh man, the goon! Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast. Sorry the neurons aren't firing today. Yes, it is. Exactly. Cleanse the palette with zombies. Comic book talk by comic book geeks just like you. Did I just have a stroke? That's a valuable misprint, sir. And now, your hosts, Luke Matthews. Everybody's either got their mouth wide the fuck open like they've unhinged their jaw like a python, or they're like pucker-lipped. And Bean. He can draw. He can just only draw certain angles or halves of faces, and unfortunately, they don't happen on the same panel. Joel Simon. That's pretty telling of your personality, because I never saw it that dark. And Andy Padel. Can say say Hulk smash... In three million different languages, (laughs) unlike me, who had problems saying it in the only one that I speak. Welcome, everybody, to episode 15 of the Trade Secrets Podcast. I am Luke, and I'm here with the the usual Trade Secrets crew, Ann Bean. Hello. Joel Simon. Hey, hey. And Andy, I didn't read the book in advance, Padel. Eat a dick, Luke. (laughs) Uh, this week we are going to be talking about uh, some book that the Green River, is Killer. The Green River Killer by Dark Horse Comics. It is uh, written by Jeff Jensen and art- illustrated by Jonathan arted. Case. Arted. It's got it's got arted by Jonathan Case. Um, 
But as usual, we will talk about what we're reading. Go. Ann. I am I read X Cop. It was awesome. I read X Cop, trade paperback number two, Bad Guy Earth, which is written by a six year old, drawn by his thirty year old brother. It's a webcomic, but they've done a couple of trades of it. And this one, unlike the the first one, which is all just kind of um have you read brumble pig yet no what is it brumble pig is uh it's not i don't think it's this like the younger brother writing or maybe it is but it's completely it's the same artist i know that much nice. as axe cop but nice maybe a different writer turns out axe cop uh or the not axe cop himself <laughs> although you know maybe but uh <laughs> ethan nicole the artist uh influenced um what's his face earthworm jim guy David oh, Tenapple. Dave Doug Tenapple. Doug Tenapple. Um, David to... Crane, Doug Tenapple. David Crane, Doug Tenapple. <laughs> anyway, they had booths next to each other at last year's ECCC, and I thought they just like realized that each other were awesome, but it turns out they also like fused into one entity. Right, Archon style StarCraft, you know. Um, so, uh, not really, but they influence each other. And uh, Axe Cop is complete. <laughs> Axe Cop is fantastic and ridiculous, and especially as a educator of young males i deeply appreciate the storytelling um and it's actually really impressively done for a 75 page story that's like coherent and has a plot and like a story arc and everything and yeah, the it, first it, one didn't quite have so much of that no it was little snippets yeah well, i mean it was written over the course of like a year yeah yeah on skype sessions and yeah. this one was mostly in person and a lot of like big brother being like here's a story web let's talk about how the hell ass balls these things are related hey kid now i'm now that i'm making a bunch of money off of your idea let's actually flesh it out better you know what i hope someday malika and nicole can be like i got my money to go to college because i wrote axe cop <laughs> it's more likely gonna be my brother blew all the yeah, money that i would have gotten from axe cop right. on coke and I, didn't get, I didn't get to go to college because, because i spent most of my teen years in a lawsuit against my brother trying to get all my fucking money back yeah <laughs> i One approve the of other. this outcome <laughs> But uh, no, actually, as a plot goes, like this, this one held together pretty coherently and uh, was mostly just hilarious in the ways that like it's it's every little kid's ridiculous dreams all he, put together. Hey, it's Luke, great. He's five and he's got two books published. How's uh, that that novel coming along? Leave <laughs> 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 me alone. Uh, oh. <laughs> other than that, I'm I haven't written anything on my novel because I've been doing these fucking shows. So. You could also come Priorities. to my rating group tomorrow. <laughs> Just saying. Hey, I, we were busy dicking around in Portland for a good day. Okay. I don't... Uh, yeah, anyway. We'll I keep. will talk about the other thing that I read now. I read an actual issue of an upcoming comic before it was released as a trade Brilliant. paperback form. Yes. No, I read Orchid, I think. Orchid? Yeah, you I think? I know. You I just, think? I think I read it. <laughs> No, I'm pretty sure Orchid was the title. I'm not entirely sure. That's an uh, ARC that's just totally wasted. Right. Uh, but it's coming out through Dark Horse. I'm on Now I'm on the Dark Horse email list of things that are coming out and I can download and look at for free, which is why I'm reading all of this stuff. Because <clears throat> I'm cheap. Um, is that like anything like Black Orchid? No. Okay. No relation. Um, Black Orchid was Vertigo, I think. This is a like post-apocalyptic, I guess, story about... Mutant um, flowers. No. Oh. No. I'm and trying. this is why I could be mixing it up with Black Orchid and saying the wrong title, which would be tragic. But um, 
things I didn't look up before the podcast. Hmm. Uh, it's about a girl who is, it, it has like a twofold story. It has like the last ditch revolutionaries, one of whom is like cast into this borderlands town and then meets up with this girl who's a prostitute. Um, and all the prostitutes have like property tattooed over their chests and uh, are very, you know, post-apocalyptic. Like Go you on. Do. Okay, you mean the word property? Yes, the word property. Because that didn't make any sense when you were like, yeah, it didn't make any sense when you were like, they have like property tattooed on their chest. I'm like, are we talking... Space like needle land? Are we talking about <laughs> huge tracts of land? All of their possessions are tattooed on their no, no, chest. No, no, no. They have we... the word "property" tattooed okay. on their chest, okay, and, and, and she ends up on on the run with one of the renegade last ditch effort guys. And it it looks to be like just a really fun, interesting sci fi story with a like semi original, compelling dystopian future, which makes me happy. That's pretty cool. Well, I um. I like I like post apocalyptic uh so do I. kind of stuff. I like so. horrors too, so you know. It's a win win. Horrors? Yeah. Horrors. Yeah. It's written by the guy it's written by Tom Morello. Yeah, yeah, that's the other thing. It's written by Tom Morello. <laughs> oh I saw that in previews and the cover art looked amazing. Yeah, there's a um Shepherd Fairy variant of the cover that was really cool. Where, where Massimo, is it Massimo actually called Carnival the lead of, uh, It's Machine. Orchid. You got Orchid or- correct. Yay! I win. Yep, that's the one. Okay. No, wait, is that the guitarist or the lead singer? The guitarist, guitarist, I think. Yeah, the lead singer is Zach De La Rocha. <sighs> yeah. Who? Who are we talking about? Tom Morello. Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely a guitarist because he was also an audio slave. So, I, you know, I know that one because I fought against him in Guitar Hero Two. Minute now. Okay. Anyways, but um, wow, is it as is it as good as uh, as uh? Umbrella Academy. Wah, thank you. Brain fart. <laughs> yeah, I'd put it yeah. up there on okay. the on parallels. Like I, it's something that when it comes back in trade paperback form, I'm yeah. comes out in trade paperback. Wait, form. it hasn't been released yet, right? No, I think it comes out Crazy. tomorrow. Um, Fuck. Maybe. It's not on my poll list. I'm anyway, really, I really so, like the variant cover. Uh, I'm definitely buying it when it comes out in large books that Anne can put on her bookshelf format. Yeah. So is this research by you? Is like two authors that aren't author- authors that wrote stuff. No, good. this is I can download them for free. Oh, because I would I'm say actually free. no, no, a six-year-old and a guitarist. Yeah, but they're they're published, so I think they are by the, the technicality authors. God damn it, they are. Aren't they? <laughs> uh, they are authors. I mean, they may have other yeah. professions and or kindergarten, but yeah. well, exactly. <laughs> that, that that pisses me off. I and can't even do one thing right, and these guys can do m- multiple things. Yeah, yeah. It's not your disgusting fanfic that you keep on your computer at work. Yeah, I, I saw that actually. That, that was an amazing job with the uh, the Alabama crab dabbler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the dirty Sanchez. Yes. <clears throat> what are you reading, Joel? I I read the uh, the rise and fall of the Shi'ar Empire. It's X Men by uh, Ed Brubaker, and it it really filled in. So I was an X Men fan. Read it back in the day, but I which fills X in. book is this? This is uncanny. Uh, uncanny. Yeah, uncanny. it's uncanny. Okay. Yeah, like three hundred, roughly. Yeah, yeah, three seventy or so, and it just fills in all the kind of the X scenarios that I haven't filled in. So I've always wondered like where Shadowcat went off to, and that was in astonishing. She got put into a magic space bullet. No, and 
Shut. Fired at Captain America right. and then <laughs> sent no, through time. Through time. <laughs> yeah. She was fired yeah. at a planet and she managed to phase the entire bullet yeah. continuously through good stuff. the orbit okay, of the Okay, this planet. is also why I like I like Axe Cop. Because I'm like, you know, him, t- the bad guys making a bad guy machine that turns the army into bad guys and then they make a bad guy planet. Sometimes when I read superhero comics, more DC than Marvel, I'm kind of like... <laughs> you read DC books? Yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> that, yeah, that's kind of what X books sound when like I, most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and then as... Uh, so it, it so the rise and fall of Shi'ar Empire fills in all the the X men that I don't know about. So. X minutia, X minutia, <laughs> oh, like havoc. Where did havoc go? Uh, now I know. Um, there's so I guess there's Jean Grey, right? And then there's Rachel Summers, and mm-hmm. in this one there was Rachel Grey. They're just running out of ideas for phoenixes, but choose another phoenix. And don't forget Nate Grey. Oh God, the X Man. Oh God. What about, was he uh, a phoenix? What Nathan about, Gray. What about uh, was Hope, he a phoenix? Hope Summers, too? Yeah. <laughs> no relation. No. Yeah. No, 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 no. No relation? No relation. Yeah. But she's red hair. Do they so. have like 10 names on a board that they throw darts at? Mm-hmm. I think it's like five. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It's, the column A is Rachel and Nate. <laughs> column B is Summers uh, and, and Gray. Gray and... Yeah. I they, don't, they haven't hit that one yet. Man, <laughs> man, <laughs> Rachel, man, <laughs> and then they just Hulk throw it against the wall. And it's like okay, Hulk, <laughs> Hulk uh, Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, I did actually finish the uh, Rise of the the Super Hulks. Hulk out heroes. Hulk heroes. Yeah, thank you. So it was Rise of the Shi'ar. Anyways, um, Hulk out heroes, and that's all the. Luke, you're freaking me out right now. <laughs> Just the talk. Place. Okay, I'm talking. <laughs> oh, Jesus. For no. those of you listening, Luke looks like he sat on something and he's <laughs> making sort of lovey-dovey <laughs> eyes at Joel from across the table. Lovey-dovey is not His the right. face is actually melting. It feels um, like it. Indiana Jones, the scene where the Nazi melts. Yes. Yes, that's about what I look like right Yeah, now. So, so the Hulk out <laughs> heroes, it actually makes sense if you, if you think about it in canon where Red Hulk was created by AIM, by MODOK, and they decided, hey, it works. General so, Riley Jackson. It, it works so well on General Rogers that we'll just. Uh, and then they made a Red Hulk machine and turned everyone into Red Hulks. <laughs> they and did. Planet Hulk. They did. <laughs> World War Hulk. <laughs> right. Like, they did. They did. They took the Hulk machine. Bendis is looking at Axe Cop. He's like, this writer is fucking brilliant. <laughs> I'll do the same thing. And well, hey. instead of the bad guy machine, they had a Red Hulk machine, and that's what they did. But all the superheroes were too close to the Red Hulk machine when they. Um, when they tried to take it out, and so they got hulked out themselves. And there you go. Was there Hulked a T-Rex? Why, why are you arms? shaking your head? This makes perfect sense. It doesn't matter if it makes sense. It's <laughs> dumb. <laughs> what? Okay, on that note, dumb. Luke, what are you reading? <laughs> what am I reading? I am reading The Criminal Ultimate Edition by Ed Brubaker. Lawless. Uh, last it's, or it's, it's everything Lawless. but Last of the Innocents. It's no, the it first doesn't three. have bad, bad Night Out. It no. doesn't have... I'm pretty sure it... Has it's how many are there? Six, six. Yeah. Okay, that's the first three. So lawless what? criminal or um, my 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 turn. Dumb. It's dumb. Really? No. No. It's you shut your. See, fucking no. Mind. No. It doesn't work. It's it only with the stuff. You know, that you I know read. why it doesn't work? Why? Because what I read's not dumb. Oh, that's true. Everything I read is not dumb, and everything you read is dumb. I don't think everything you read is dumb, but Hulked Out Heroes is fucking dumb. It was pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I have to admit. Uh, I got through Lawless, which I think it's Lawless. Lawless, is the and first ca- one. Lawless Coward, and Coward's the first one. Lawless is the second one because Coward is the one with uh, with the dude who gets 
pulled into a, a job stealing from a, a crime evidence truck, and then shit goes bad, of course. What? It's a noir story, duh. And uh, the second one is the kid, the guy who's... He doesn't uh, like guns. He was in um, a military prison, and he comes back and finds out that his brother's been killed, so he infiltrates his brother's old uh, robbing crew to find out what happened. And that's I'm about halfway through that one. And Other than the barkeep, he is the only reoccurring character right. in all of Criminal. Well, I figured the barkeep was going to be, right? That, that kind of made sense, because I've seen... Uh, they do the same thing. Uh, they've done the same thing in, like, Sin City. It's the same kind of... You know, they have the the side characters that are recurring, or a bar, or Female whatever. The species and, like, is the third yeah, one. Okay. Um, it's good so far. I really enjoyed it. Um, it's... This sounds weird, because it's... Noir is... It's kind of this way, but it's actually t- a tad more simplistic than I thought it was going to be. Because um, the storyline in the first one is not complicated at all. It's, <laughs> you know, it's like start job, job go bad, go kill everybody. <laughs> so it's, but it's good. It's it's well written. I enjoy it. It's, um, I, I, there are times when I like simplistic, right? You know, I like simple stories that are well written you know with characters that actually are kind of cool and that that it's character it's, driven and not plot driven yeah. exactly like Hulk they draw heroes see I'm, come dude, on dude dude no? dude it's gonna work dude. dude one of these times dude 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 where's my car it, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, okay, I'm done. Go ahead. But Go but what I was gonna say is like I, I sometimes I like that. Sometimes I like the the stuff that's. I mean, they, they add a lot of weird little twists in there, like you know his his uncle Ivan, the the <laughs> ODs. the fucking spoiler, uh, heroin addicted Alzheimer's patient that can still pick pockets. Super and, Alzheimer's like, dad. Yeah, it's super Alzheimer dad, and uh, it's but it's it's really good so far. I I got the. I got the ultimate edition off of Thwipster for stupid cheap. I think I paid thirteen bucks for it, and it's worth every goddamn penny. I uh, paid cover price for it, so it makes me die I would a little, have, die a little bit inside to know that you got it for that cheap. No, it shouldn't because I would have paid cover price for it. You know, um, I, I, it's one of those books. Like a lot of the stuff that I've gotten off Thwipster so far has been stuff that I have been maybe unsure whether I was going to pay cover price for it. You know, what all so you gotten? like, Oh Jesus, a lot of stuff. I got the astonishing X-Men, uh, omnibus off of it. I got the captain America brewbaker omnibus off of it. I got criminal off of it. I got next wave off of it. I got, they just steal my money. They've, they've, <laughs> they just keep stealing my money, all kinds of it. So, but see, this is where he makes good decisions and me, I was I was at Borders when it was going out of business, and you know, hulked out heroes for for four bucks. So I, I bought that. No, that's 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 viable. <laughs> that's I, four bucks worth of ridiculous, yeah, four, right? Four, four bucks, bucks is sure. entertainment. If you would have been like, it was only fifty dollars, yeah. I would have slapped you. you uh, yeah, you right. I mean, yeah. regular price four bucks. Yeah, four bucks, four bucks. Wow. Pulling pulling it from the wayback machine uh, for that one. Yeah. You, you want to bust out into some words? Okay, the beef? so. <laughs> so the the Clabone. the new criminal the the Archie one was last, that of the the last, last of the innocents yeah Archie Archie it's it's kind of Archie ish yeah no it's definitely it's com- it, honest to God there are you read it Jughead like, yes yeah, yeah okay yeah but it's, it's brilliant it's when they grow up and he comes back to Archie Town now I want to so read it imagine it's ridiculous it, it's Jughead is goofballs. 
So he's all cracked up and whatnot. That and makes sense. Archie, you know, marries Veronica, goes, you know, grows up, comes back into town, sees Betty, hangs uh, out with Jughead uh. or Goofballs, who's, you know, a drug addict. Uh-huh. That's brilliant. And then mm-hmm. kills Veronica. Love it. Yeah. Whoa. Hey, spoiler. I've, I've only read Whatever. the first Whatever. That may be a spoiler. I was just, read it. I was just going to say that I haven't read any more issues in there. Doesn't continue. the first one end with him saying, I'm going to kill my wife? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And and there's there is no yes. mystery in the criminal series yeah. books. Okay. Like, if something rules. they say something is gonna happen, it's gonna fucking happen. Everything tastes like ashes in your mouth, and nothing good happens. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. all you need. You have every single so, noir story covered. Mm-hmm. Life, right? Yeah, pretty mm. much. Okay. Yeah. That's basically what I've been reading. Is it, I. Um, I've been reading criminal stuff ever since because I, I finished up Next Wave and then started immediately into criminal, and that's what I've Such been reading. The, a, amazing combination. You're just ruining comic books for yourself because you're like, yeah. I'm just going to read some of the best comic books that have been written in the past 10 years. Well, duh. Yeah. Because that's the thing. Like, 10 years is about right because it was about. God, it's going on 10 years ago now that my apartment burned up in a fight. No, it's longer than that shit. It's, I guess it's like 12, 12 or 13 years because. It was before I was married, so... But when my comic book collection burned up in a fire, and then I kind of started collecting again and kind of got out of it, and then now I'm back into it, and I'm picking up all of the shit that I missed, right? All the way back to the 90s shit that I missed, like Preacher, right? And so I am reading all the best stuff, and the beauty of it is that there's a lot of it out there right now, so it's rare... It's it's probably unlikely that I'm going to catch up, per se. I will... I will very likely have something new to read for quite a long time. So you're hitting the highlights. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to read a bunch of long garbage. Halloween. Yeah, I don't want to read a bunch of crap. The, why would I? Like that's why I'm. That's why I'm very close to uh, dumping Irredeemable off of my fucking pull list because it's been terrible for like eight months. Mm, I don't know if I'd say it's been terrible, but it's definitely been a lull. The entire. The entire storyline where they dumped your, uh, dumped him on the fucking alien the prison world is retarded. It is, it's just fucking stupid, and it takes everything away from what I liked about the comic, which was what the fuck happens when Superman goes bad, and dealing with all of the people on the planet trying to deal with his bullshit, and then they just shat that out, and like that whole part of the storyline isn't even happening anymore. And I, that that bothered me. Really like, yeah, I, I'm not caught up in Incorruptible. I'm only on issue five on Incorruptible. So, and that's the one where the bad guy turns good. Yep. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's so. the counter counterpoint. Yeah. Anyway, so what are you reading? So for coworkers of mine, I grabbed the collected versions of Punisher Max, and I have reread the first two volumes. Um, that is, just, Jason Aaron continues to amaze me because I reread. Um, the first two stories, which are Kingpin and Bullseye, and it's just phenomenal writing. Like, there's a scene in book two where Bullseye basically is going to take out a target, and he shows up as a pizza delivery guy. Classy. And, like he's got the Bullseye scar on his forehead, so they know who he is. So, you know, they basically draw guns. Oh, on it's him. a scar version in this this version of yeah. the Punisher. Okay. Um, and they strip him naked, and he's like. Look, I know you guys are going to kill me. Can I just go use the restroom real quick? And they're like, uh, all right. And you can hear him, you know, he's he's grunting. He's like, oh, God, this is terrible. And he had a, a Derringer, like a little tiny hand pistol in his ass. 
And so he comes <laughs> out and he kills the bodyguards. And he's walking up to his target with a toothpick. And he's like, blah, blah, blah. I'm the best hitman who's ever been alive. I could kill you with this toothpick. And he flicks the toothpick at the guy. And, you know, anyone who's read the regular Marvel Universe Bulls, I was like, oh, my God, he's going to kill him with the toothpick. No, the toothpick just fucking bounces off the target's head. He's like, no, I'm just fucking with you. I'm going to kill you with this gun. Blam! Nice. <laughs> uh, that's yeah. awesome. It's, it's really good because it's completely real. That's where Jason Aaron's highlights were. Like, I... Mm. I Schism. Uh, yeah, that, that I was just going to bring that up. Maybe is that the reason why schism's kind of fallen flat? I think so. Yeah. Well, a lot of uh, they can't always have winners. You know, no. there's there's always the Franken castles of the world. So, uh, oh God. <laughs> all right. Uh, <laughs> but I'm not going to talk bad about Jason Aaron. Other than that, I am reading um, the Intrepids, which is like super. Like super yeah. villain killers. <laughs> yeah, we need to. Them. We actually need to get Skype uh, interviewing up and running on this show because I've been talking to Curtis Weeb via email and he wants to be on the show. Do and it. we need to. So we just need to figure out the kit. We need to get the Skype up and running so that he can call from from Saskatchewan and uh, we can uh, we can have him on the show. I, I, really, I was. I'm hoping that he sounds like uh, Stephen Hawkins. When I wrote Hawking. the Intrepids, it was a very, very hard right. decision. He's gonna be he's gonna be calling through a what was it a T- TTD service? Yeah, TTD. <laughs> so I've heard good things about Intrepids. It's, I want to read it. I um, because I I his other book Green Wake. I I did not like it when I read the first uh, first three individual issues. And he's read it a whole, as a whole. It was really I read good. it as a whole. Well, I, I'm not going to say really good. I'm going to say... Enjoyable. Fuckload better than it was in individual issues. Um, and I, I will probably read it again a little far out, like maybe before he comes on the show so that we so that I can refresh myself and not uh, maybe try and go into it with a, with a blank slate, not uh, biased by my poor experiences with the individual issues. But... Um, I've everybody I know that's read Intrepid says it's spectacular. So I I want to read that and Gladstone's School for World Conquerors. So. Yeah, that, that's the other book that is uh, just those are the two best image books right now, and they're both incredibly like they're not serious books I don't at know, all. I, I would argue Invincible still way the fuck up there. Well, but you can make a good argument for Walking Dead and Invincible, but I think that Kirkman's getting a little bit stale. No, we'll see. I, I don't think Invincible is getting stale. I could agree with I would agree with you on Walking Dead. Uh, it's it's kind of a little bit, but yeah. yeah. So Intrepids, Intrepids is great. That's all. So for the last uh, God, it's only been really a week since we recorded the last show, isn't it? Yeah, yeah so we're not going to talk so about news. We can something I want to talk about. Okay. Uh, Matt Fraction and Nathan Fox are actually working together on a project for Ooh. GQ magazine. Oh, I heard really? about this. About, I, um, Osama bin Laden. Yeah. And I don't think I could be more excited about something that's a non-comic but is comic book related because Matt Fraction is an amazing writer and Nathan Fox is my favorite artist. That's awesome. What does Nathan Fox draw? Um, He has done Pigeons from Hell. He has done, um, oh my God, what the fuck is Zodiac? Um, He did Ultraviolet Black. He um, has done some other stuff for Heavy Metal he did a small article in, or a small story in the Heroes Reborn stuff that was a Welcome Back Zodiac, like three page. So a bunch of stuff I've never heard of is what you're saying. A bunch of stuff I've I've never heard of. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'll have to look it up because I look up the books. If you say his art's good, then it's very reminiscent of Paul Pope. Um, Okay, Okay. it's actually somewhat um, also um, Green River Killer. It's kind of like that or um, Stray Bullets. Okay, Um, Hmm. Dave Laffham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're all very sort of in the same vein, I guess. So uh, there was actually one other thing that we wanted we were going to bring up, uh, which was. Two other things. So we'll start with um, uh, the thing that Snicker actually posted to our wall and and I was going to bring up anyway was an article written by on Comics Alliance written by uh, a woman named Laura Hudson uh, called The Big Sexy Problem with Superheroines and Their Liberated Sexuality. Um, effectively, the article is about um, two of the new 52 books primarily being Red Hood and the Outlaws and Catwoman. And... Um, to paraphrase how they are complete and utter crap and uh, <laughs> and and not representative of women with liberated sexuality at all and instead are um, just sensationalistic crap. Uh, giving an image of like you can only be a powerful woman if you are like kind of pointlessly over-sexualized and promiscuous, not really in a sex-positive way or in an empowering way, especially in the case of the Starfire character in Red Hood and the Outlaws. She's kind of like, feeling things is for losers and virgins. Yeah, I'm (laughs) I'm just going to show you my cleavage and be an emotionless sex prop. Yeah. I just I just love the fact that I think one of the captions they have in there is where Starfire is like, hey, you want to have sex? And the guy's like, well, yeah, "Yeah, let's have sex now. Why not? Like, I'm bored. Let's yeah. have sex. Yeah, yeah. It's didn't they do that in Pulp Fiction? <clears throat> or no, um, Jackie Brown. Oh, uh. yeah, yeah. The the Jodie Foster character. Yeah, but and but that was that was the character though. She was a dumb blonde, and she didn't know anything else. It was like, nah, I'm bored. Let's have sex. Whereas Starfire is supposed to be this superhero, you know, that has motivations and whatnot. It's a character. I think there were, like, they could have gone either try to make her a three-dimensional character based on what she used to be, especially in, like, the Teen Titans cartoon when she's like, friendship! Yay! Yeah. Um, As opposed to, uh, I hate existence, let's fuck. But, um, or they could have gone the, like, extremely nihilistic route and been like, our planet has destroyed her soul. and I am adrift in a... Sea of worthless, it's, meaningless sex yeah. and drugs. Right, and it's it's the, that would the, have been good, to, good too. It's the SI like swimsuit edition poses that just really <laughs> hammer it home too. It's it. Wasn't Andy telling us the whole thought process behind this earlier? Maybe I don't. You don't remember? I don't remember. I'm I'm a fucking muppet. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and then on top of that with the Catwoman, as an example, they talk about the whole first page where they introduce the character and you don't even see her face. Yeah. That's you know, a- how can you have a character when you don't even know what the character looks like? Yeah. Except how they're ass and Because that's all you pay attention to. Gall, don't you look at women ever? Yeah, that's one of the things that I... Um, I noticed the first time I looked at that issue of Catwoman, just picking it up off the shelf in the store mm. and thinking to myself... This, this, like I read probably, I think I read the first half of the book and then I subsequently, later on, I read the rest of it. And there's, I mean, the Starfire character, um, it's blatant. Yeah. The Catwoman character is, seems like a, 
some some sort of attempt to make her into something more and failing miserably by taking her and turning her into this just the this goalless sex pot that is not is not a character like like you said a sex prop earlier that's kind of what she is she's like she it's an entire comic book written for her as a foil for batman and a reason for him to bang somebody on a roof and it's like (laughs) it's just she's not even she doesn't even have any substance to her in the book and it's it's really terrible. Like, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure if I'd have spent a little more time and energy, I could speak more intelligently about this. But I just think it's... Why would you, based well, on like fair. picking yeah. it up and being like, this is our shit? Yeah. Yeah, it kind of oh, is. You kind of see what, what they want to go for, especially with Starfire or Catwoman. Like I was saying, the whole montage on the first, uh, the first page is black and white. It's in the dark. She's wearing her black latex or she's putting on her black latex. And uh-huh. the only thing you can see is the red bra. Right, yeah. so that's where your attention, your eye is going to be drawn to, not her face or not anything like that. Well, and that's the thing; they don't even draw her face. Like no. all the frames are cut with her exactly. head out of the frame. Exactly, and then, and then it seems like when they thought, okay, let's reboot Catwoman, right? Okay, let's think. Well, what does Catwoman do? Well, she had she sex with Batman. Batman. <laughs> yeah, she had sex with Batman once. It, oh, oh yeah, let's go with that. You know, and they and it's totally one dimensional. Yeah. It, and I don't really understand that. And what does she do at the end of the of the first? Somehow issue? manages somehow manages to get boned by Batman with her latex tights still on. Yeah, yeah. I'm not exactly sure how that. that works, but bat exacto knife go. <laughs> <laughs> You know, he, he pulled uh, out the bat penetrator. So I, gu- I guess they were just pandering, you know, to the lowest common denominator. So it should have been titled "Batman's Big Sex on a Roof Book." Mm-hmm. Yes, basically. Yeah. I so can't um, call. No, I mean, so I, I just gotta say, it just makes me, it makes me think. I say, okay, she she likes sex and she likes to steal things. Uh, is, she, is she a hooker that steals your wallet at the end? I, I don't. Want, I don't get it. Pretty much, you know? she was stealing the bat uh, penetrator. No, the if I, the entire rest <laughs> of the run is at her about her bat penetrating other people. I will be so happy. Um, I don't think so. I, I do have to say one of the things when I was when I was looking at the reactions to this article on online <laughs> and on Twitter and oh in the God. comments and stuff. Um, one of the ones that I liked was Rob Guillory, the guy that draws uh, Chew, yeah. Yeah. Uh, tweeted that um, he, like, he didn't understand why people were getting so upset about Catwoman because she has been, it, she has previously been nothing but a two-dimensional stereotype at best anyway, yeah. which to some degree I can understand. Yeah. But now Lane they have Rome taken... Good. So they've taken what amounts to a two-dimensional stereotype and in a reboot where they have an opportunity to make her something more, mm-hmm. they actually make her something less. Yeah. Which and. which is really terrible, especially so... And on the and the same th- exact thing happened with Starfire, where Starfire, like her motivations for her attitude previously, I, I'm... So let me preface what I'm about to say by saying that v- the vast majority of my information about Starfire comes from this article and from the reactions and other <laughs> stuff that I've read since. But it seems like she used to be her motivations used to be um, somewhat intellectual, and there was there was reasoning behind the shit that she did. She was one of the smarter ones on the Teen Titans cartoon. Yeah, yeah. and now she's more in touch with vapid, her emotions. A completely vapid, and yeah. it it's a shame for two reasons. One, because in the reboot they were given an opportunity to do some 
really groundbreaking stuff with their comics and they pretty much dropped the ball there. Mm. And two, um, wow, where did my second point go? Right out your nose. Jesus Christ. I, I just, I'm just I thinking just think of Wexter, the, the T-Rex with machine gun arms. How about yeah. Not only did they not improve the character, they devolved the character into an even simpler version of itself. Well, that's that's what I was that's what I was saying right there. There was another point that I had that I can't fucking remember. Well, and, and I can see with Oh, no, 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 that's what it was. That's what it was. Okay. I got it. Okay. Oh, okay. Let's hear it. Uh and Syphilis. in addition to that, there was there was the huge uproar um when they announced the creators of the new 52 3 or 4 months oh, yeah. ago about the complete lack of female creators mm-hmm. and how um, too. how they were just yeah and how dc was like well we just wanted to get the best talent that we could and then that talent that they supposedly say is the best that they could find of the the best 52 writers in the comic book industry Fancy and they, they released garbage like this that hey. is just garbage. fucking awful today yeah right? that was that was the thought process to yeah. which 50, i was referring exactly. earlier 52 books four books are readable two books are good yeah I mean, I've... 104 titties! (laughs) (laughs) Did you just write down the math? No, I didn't. I started to, and then I realized that that would be idiotic. (laughs) Yeah, she's a writer. Yeah, no, so... Uh, it's it's disappointing, and it's something that I actually considered um, the the possibility of us doing like a special issue show of the new Fifty Two, yeah. like sitting down and reading <laughs> all Fifty Two, really? and then hey, separating. there's a nip slip on panel five, page <laughs> six. You know, and and the one thing that I find really disappointing, right, is when I heard about Fifty Two and everything was going to be set up with Flashpoint, right, where <laughs> they do their summer they do their summer event, and what that was is to kick off their whole reboot. And they were actually writing this whole reboot, so it made sense that this whole flash, this flashpoint event, caused the whole world to be shaken up and started over again. The summer of blockbusters to be followed by the fall of ideals, followed by the winter of discontent. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to rob a bank anyway. Followed um, by the spring of a new reboot. No, uh. If you if you read Flashpoint, what it was is they they didn't really reboot it. It was just pretty much like uh, all the stuff that we really didn't like. We'll just cut that off, and everything else will pretty much stay the same. Crisis on infinite crises. <laughs> no, seriously, hey. crisis on infinite ingrown toenails. Uh, what Animal Man like was a surprisingly good pseudo reboot. Yeah, but that one. I've heard I that Wonder Woman is really, really good too. Men of War though. is fucking brilliant. But I, heard, I Sergeant I, Rock. Okay, yeah, no, it's, I just it's really good. I can get that. I can understand, it, you know, being it's war. Good. It's uh, I read Detective Comics. It was uh, not the best Batman story, but it was it was okay. Yeah, but I mean, it, Detective Comics number one. That's fucking iconic. Uh huh. Yes, you have Jim Lee doing the art. Awesome. You need to bring your A game. That's mm-hmm. like, we're going to do Superman number one. We're going to run about... Jim Lee didn't do Detective. That wasn't Jim Lee? No, Jim Lee did uh, Justice Jim- League. Yeah. Who did... I don't remember who did Detective. Yeah. The art's good in Detective, but like, you're, you're Superman number one. You're Detective Comics number one. You're you know, JLA number one. You're Wonder Woman number one. These are fucking icons in the comic industry, and they're just like, meh. I don't, well, do okay, right. now Wonder Woman. I don't think they made. They have they rebooted no, I'm, I'm that ju- with Azarello. I, I, 
I threw out Wonder Woman in there to sort yeah, of yeah, express yeah. the fact that these are, you know, you can ask anyone Iconic. on the street who mm. Superman is. 999 people out of 1,000 will be like Clark Kent. Yeah. Well, Superman is one that that um, I'm interested to read, but but the the buzz about it right now is that it's really mediocre. Which is isn't that the one that's is that the one that that's the one that's Grant Morrison right or is is I, that the I'm trying to remember whether it's action or or Superman that's Grant Morrison. It's Grant Morrison. Okay, mm. but like, why would you? So you, you know they've had this reboot plan for quite some time now. Yeah. Why would you not have your original stories? you know a year in advance penned out and like this is what we want to do this is the best superman story. this is the best this detective comic story is going to blow your fucking mind well because like from what from the buzz that's happening on the internet they didn't get that opportunity like the the creative heads at marvel very much DC. like them or dc very much like movie studios tend to do interfered right up until the last minute and then fucked up everything before it could be fixed yeah I so it it ended up being the opportunity to sit down with a bunch of great creators and do something totally fresh and and plan it out or shit something out with the intention of of selling books which to be entirely honest they've succeeded at mm-hmm. every single new 52 book has sold out yeah. and that's um you know that's that's great for DC they've made a bunch of money but at what cost yeah you know it it's it feels it feels like the 90s again it feels yeah. like the you know lenticular hologram fucking polybag <laughs> foil gatefold cover oh my god bullshit most of just the, for the purpose of making money most of yeah. the sales have probably come from speculation which is the saddest part because what's happening is you have people mm. going into stores who are buying 10 copies of action comics number one so a yeah they're speculating on it but you're not getting any new readers well yeah and not to mention the fact that the comic industry has moved past giant event book speculation working right mm-hmm. like in the 90s when those things were kind of new, when they were like, oh my God, we're going to polybags the death of Superman and it's going to be worth gajillions, prove that it's not, right? The stuff that's worth money is the little shit that no one can find afterward. When you print 200,000 copies of Justice League, that comic is never going to be worth anything ever. There's a reason why I have 35 copies of fucking Mr. T and the T-Force in my garage. Yeah. All right? I don't give you the fool. <laughs> There's way too many back issues of Mr. T in his garage. Yeah. Uh, it's a crack, baby fool! Oh, that line's actually in yeah, the comic book. Wow. It's amazing. It's, wow. It's awesome. Ooh, anyway. I have one more piece of news. Okay. This weekend, I am going to Ape... As in what the fuck is Ape? Ape is the Alternative Press Expo, which is a tiny little Comic Con thing run by. It's run by International Comic Con, and it seems to be all like it's indie. Not Jet City. Indie? No, it's not Jet City. It's all indie press comics things. It's in San Francisco. Um, yeah. And Mike Tron has a booth there, so oh. I'm going to help him run the booth, and then I'm going to wander around and look at stuff. I was just looking at who their guests are, and there's people like. Um, Kate Beaton, who does Hark a Vagrant, which is... Uh, um, I've you talk about that before, right? Yes. Right. Historical web comics, and I love them with every little nerdy impulse. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, Daniel Klaus, and uh, what's-his-face that did Blankets, Craig Thompson. So, uh, it seems... I didn't realize it was Graphic novel and exciting. Have you read The Morning Star yet? Hmm. It's by Casimir Strepik. 
Okay. It's uh, it got nominated for a Eisner two years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's uh, really good. It's is fantasy. it about Satan? No, it's uh, fantasy set in a post-apocalyptic world, and it's not like anything you have ever read before. So for the last uh, week, because it's only been a week since we recorded last, right? It was last weekend. Fuck. It all blends together anymore. I have no concept of time. Uh, For the last week, or in Andy's case, the last six hours, we have been reading The Green River Killer. I finished it before the show started. Uh, You skimmed it before the show started. (laughs) (laughs) No, actually, I read the the first, like, 75% before, and then I was like, okay. Oh, God, I gotta get through it. This is so fucking boring. So... Uh, it is a it is a hardcover graphic novel, straight up graphic novel. It has mm-hmm. never been in individual uh, individual issues, and it is it's an odd format, like an odd size format. It's more more the size of a of a large scale trade paperback, as in a novel, novel. trade paperback, not uh, not comic trade paperback. Um, like five by eight. Yeah, it's uh, it is. Um, Written by Jeff Jensen, who is the son of one of the lead detectives on the Green River Killer case, and illustrated by Jonathan Case, who has done other things that I am not entirely familiar with. But, uh, uh, I mean, it's entirely in black and white. The style is... um, Like, the art style is sort of pseudo-black hole-ish. Kind of, yeah. It's not it's, as woodcutty as black hole, but it's definitely really bold blacks and whites. There's no yeah. shades of gray. Really bold black and whites. Very like reminiscent of of. It's it's kind of. I mean, there's not much cross hashing. It's kind of photographic, up, right? really. It's not? like a strong strong contour. I think it's actually super woodcutty because it's either black or white. There's not many. I'm trying mm-hmm. to think of the comic strip. Hatches. It reminds me of a comic strip, and I'm trying to remember what comic strip it. Prince of Valiant. <laughs> it I reminds me in a lot of ways of the art from Prince Valiant. Um, less cheesy. Less yeah. cheesy, definitely. Stray bullets as well. It, it, imagine Prince Valiant only hyper realistic. Uh, it is. <laughs> now I'm just thinking of hyper realistic Prince Valiant tights, and that's <laughs> cracking me up. <laughs> God peace. Uh, it uh it's an interesting book. I'll give it that. Um I would disagree. <laughs> so I'm going to let you guys start first cuz I actually hearing what you guys have said so far, I think I might be the most positive. So what what do you guys think of the of this book? Joel? Oh, well, just to start just off voice that yeah. off on every, other people every time yeah. it comes up. <laughs> no, it, okay, so when I first read this, I I grew up in this in this time during the green river murderer mm-hmm. in this area too so there's a lot of nostalgia in there uh, my my dad was a king county cop so i i know about the king county sheriffs and the, the tax force and actually one of the um christine king which was the one they found with the fish and oil, mm-hmm. was was killed right in my hometown you know so it was it was good to see an homage that's you know where i grew up is where they dumped the dead bodies Wicked, you know, <laughs> awesome. But you just said wicked. You wicked. Uh, uh, so, but it it's. I I honestly I'm. I I didn't really like it, and the reason why is that there wasn't a lot of Gary Wedgway in it. You know, it was mm. most. It wasn't about the Green River Killer. It was more about his dad, 
and a lot of the insight that you would have gotten from the Green River Killer, you know, like what he did, how he killed girls and whatnot, uh-huh. you didn't see that at all. You know, it didn't really go into that. It went into the more detective part of it. And for for like a detective comment comic or something like that, I thought something like Gotham Central or like Rucka does does it much better. And so he did get some of the of I, I can't remember that genre. What is what's it called? Somebody help me out. True I don't know crime? No, it's Noir? a it's a police procedural like procedural per- police. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's a, you know that yeah. kind of drama, and it really didn't come off that well either. It was really just a story about his dad, you know, and what he had to go through in order to chase down the Green River Killer. It seemed more like memoir to me, honestly. Yeah, yeah. It's like my opinion on this is that. But it to should, get a, a it really good right in the back that it's not a memoir. <laughs> <laughs> My opinion is to get a really good crime story, you either need to focus on the detective or the villain. Mm. This one's the book seems like it can't make up its mind which yeah. it wants to focus on. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 there's a heavy slant towards you know the point of view of the detective. However, there's enough of Gary Ridgway that. It's like, uh, and the stuff that has Gary Ridgway in it is kind of bland and boring. Yeah. Yeah, that was so, interesting to me. I felt like they could have played up his creepiness to yeah, it was just, be like, I didn't remember that this person you're describing in detail was nine months pregnant, and you know that's why she should have been memorable to, memorable to me. Like I was like, oh, those moments had potential, but they mm. didn't quite. See, that's what bring the, it. That's one of the things that I felt as well. That um, it says on the front, a true detective story, but. There's shockingly little detecting that goes on in this book. The fact book. that yeah. they started because, with the killer caught. Right. This is this Which, is this you, is and that's the funny thing about it though, is that most detective work isn't like you see in in sure. Law and Order or stuff like that. It is filling information out into a computer right. or following leads up and and Well, I understand that, but I don't feel like they did a whole lot of that in this book. That's the thing. Like there wasn't even it didn't focus on the Green River case when it was in its prime. It focused on them following up on the shit that Ridgway was spitting out to them after he got captured. Yeah. Um, and in that way, I think it was kind of a failure because there there wasn't like... It didn't feel like it was leading anywhere, right? It Like, I don't mind noir stories where people fail right especially like you give me a detective story where you you get to see all the shit that this guy went through while mm. he was actually trying to figure out who the killer was back in the day and then doesn't oh zodiac right? would have been such a better book <laughs> <laughs> but well i kind of wanted um ridgeway to not be the killer in the end i mean i know that's not reality but at the end i'm like the way they built it up it would have been almost like more satisfying story wise man yeah, well, yeah if he was just kind of this pathetic dude who was pretending to have killed yeah, and they people. kind of allude to that too well i mean for the seven girls that he did have or the three and they pinned some other ones on him he was going he was going to the the chair you know they were going mm-hmm. to kill this guy and he he's like you know what if i just go for the whole gusto gusto and, and say i killed them all then i'm just going to get life and i get spared the chair which I could totally understand. Maybe his lawyer did that because there were there were alluding to some of these these deaths that weren't his. They were kind of copycats. Like the mm-hmm. the, the big girl later on after everybody was dead and and there was one there was a girl that was dead in the in the woods. It's like oh well she's a little bit bigger than than usual and and everything just didn't fit up. Um, she a great big fat girl. <laughs> she was. Man. 
put the lotion on it and everything. But um, you know, it kind of alludes to that that he, maybe he wasn't the person. And it from what it sounds like that Gary Widgway was he was a loser. You know, he didn't graduate high school until he was twenty. Um, he's been through three marriages, and and most of those women just like, oh, okay, I'm done with you, I'm leaving. And and even when he even when he killed girls, it wasn't like Ted Bundy style, you know, hunt these girls down. You know, he just got a hooker and then strangle them after he had sex. Yeah, you know it, and it just kind of like, oh, I thought it was going to be a little bit more exciting to it, and it really wasn't. And the whole thing with Christine King and like, oh, I just put fish and sausage on her to fuck with you guys. Yeah. That's all. Chopped off her head to fuck with you guys. It's it's funny because... Like you do. So, one of the things that I realized while I was reading this book was um, it is a true crime book and as I was reading it, uh, I was I found myself kind of... I read it pretty much straight through in two days. I read it. I read half of it one day and half of it the next and I, I felt myself for the most part, for the first probably two-thirds to three-quarters, pretty enraptured by it, right? I was, like, chewing through it, like, reading, like, oh, cool, what's going to happen next? It's going to build up to something. And it's going to build up to something. And my problem... Well, so so I'll get to that in a minute. But I thought about it for a minute, and I realized... um, the more I the more I got into it, and that's why I said I was I was that way for the first like three quarters because I kind of realized that I wasn't enraptured by what was going to happen next because the writing was driving me to be so. I was enraptured by what was happening next because I'm familiar with these events yeah. in my mm-hmm. life, mm-hmm. and I wanted to see if they portrayed something that I didn't know before or how they portrayed the things that I did know. Yeah. So. It's strange because if I were to read this story about some other random person that wasn't the Green River Killer, it would have held no interest whatsoever to me. And I probably would have gotten halfway through the book and been bored out of my skull and put it down. But um, without the without the knowledge that it is a true event and that it's or that it's based on a true event, I don't think this book has I don't think this book has the strength of writing to to propel you to read further into it yeah, i, I don't think, think that's where he should have just been like this is a memoir because he either needs to really pull it into like creative nonfiction land and like structure it as a memoir so he can put some structure of like his relationship with his father or his father's relationship with ridgeway stronger like yeah. it was there yeah. but it was weak or he needs to be like this is not a memoir and sort of fiction and like put a put a story with stakes yeah because the thing is he really didn't start with stakes yeah the killer's been caught we're pretty sure it's the killer mm-hmm. and we're not going to do anything with it may and not they, be the killer so the we're pretty sure he's a killer and the detective that has been working on it is pretty sure he's the killer and isn't really i mean he's kind of invested but even they even make comments in there about how he's just He's tired and it's done and he's not really invested in the in making sure this happens anymore. There was some degree of like I I need closure thing going yeah. on, but yeah. it it could have been played up more was the thing. It's yeah. like it was all there. It just didn't he didn't really the, the fictionalize didn't it. Yeah. Match up for lack of a better term. Well, he needed think, better structure. I think when you get to the end of the book you realize, you know, he talks about the fact that his father wouldn't talk there are certain things his father wouldn't talk about. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of details he might not have about his father's 
uh, dealings with Ridgeway and the sure. things that happened. And unfortunately, that kind of shows. Yeah. Because the interactions between him and Ridgeway are pretty shallow overall, mm-hmm. with the exception of the one interview where they talk about, you know, Ridgeway finally cracking and saying, you know, that he, he just needed to kill somebody. Right. Yeah. Um, that was like the dramatic moment of the, the, book. End of the book. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's close to the, the end of the book. And yeah, it's like, it was, that's the climax. Okay. And it was like, it didn't, it, I never felt at, at any point like I was following the character of his father on this quest. I felt like I was being shown Their vignettes of, yeah. Yeah, I was being shown vignettes of things that happened over the course and insinuations of what happened in the past based on Ridgeway's testimony during the interviews. And I think he needed to make it really personal and he tried to stay as impersonal as possible and that didn't yeah. serve him well because I'm thinking of other like graphic novels that have to do with relationships with fathers that were to my mind successful like um, Mouse and um, Fun Home by Alison Bechdel and both of those were really personal and I kind of I th- like, like you said the personal relationship I think it would have been interesting to see more of like if if his father was so obsessed with this case that you know he wanted to he wanted to be on it so bad that even after he was not on the force he still wanted to be on the case right. type thing if his father was that obsessed and that um, kind of driven by it it would have been interesting to see more of of Jeff Jensen's life of, yeah. and how that affected him as his father's son, you like know, you, the, like you could completely ignore Gary Ridgeway and just follow the detective. Like you right. don't need to see his interactions with, yeah, you know, just on the case, what is he sacrificing to, you know, to study up the newest piece of evidence? Mm-hmm. What, what is he, what's in his head? Yeah. yeah, because the, that's one of the things where I think the book was, I think the opening scene in the book does a lot to screw up your yeah. your um, perception perception of what's going to happen next when you see that scene that takes place in the sixties and it's and it's something now that's something that I've heard about pretty much all my life because like Joel said I grew up in the Pacific Northwest too I've been hearing about the Green River Killer ever since I was a kid mm-hmm. um, most of his killings were when I was young you know and and this case has been going on forever I remember when he got r- arrested and I remember them talking about the DNA evidence and I watched all the shows because my mom was a huge true crime nut right mm-hmm. and um, I watched the shows and I heard the stories about when Ridgeway actually testified about stabbing that kid and um, how, you know, it was a, it was case was never solved. No one knew ever knew what happened. The kid survived. Um, And so when I saw that scene, I was like, this is going to be an in-depth look at Gary Ridgeway's insanity. Yeah. I'm going to get to see (laughs) the green river killer in this book. That would have been cool. And I didn't. And yeah. and you know, when Luke first got this, he got it before I did. And I flipped through it, and I saw one scene where there was a dead, masticated body. Not masticated. Emaciated. Maybe. Been chewed on a no, little bit. One of them, one of them was masticated. But um, <laughs> no, it was, it was the, the dead body where she had the sweater pulled over uh, her head. Yeah. And it was just a shriveled up corpse. And I thought, I was like, whoa, this is going to be a really good read because I thought it was going to go over that dark, gritty side of a serial killer. And it, it wasn't, it just wasn't there. And I think maybe that's what it was. It was too close to real life because in everybody thinks that the cop, especially detective work is really exciting and you know you're busting down doors and serving warrants and and 
catching the bad guys when most of it is just you're filing paper, papers and, and following up on leads and doing all these interviews and you don't really you don't really catch the cop it's not that exciting yeah. It, it, it yeah it glazed over a lot it glazed over a lot and never really yeah. went deep into enough you don't think it caught um, the essential experience of what it's like to chase yeah. a killer for an yeah. umpteen years of your life and and yeah and that would have been so much better if, it, if there was if there was more of gary widgeway in the early early part yeah, yeah you know if because they said oh hey we had we had gary earlier and we brought him in and you know he passed slipped through our fingers and we, we could have why didn't they ever touch on that part where where they they had gary Ridgeway earlier and he got away or when yeah, they got that's a interesting swap. that's like you know it was like tension I, right yeah exactly i'm thinking like catch me if you can right the movie with tom hanks that's one where you have you have a detective and he's chasing down the forger and it's this whole um cat and mouse game that they play with each other and there was none of that in this it was just this guy and his daily life filling on the green river task task force yeah and there were a couple of details that were just kind of like chunked in that i really wanted to know more for there's more about there's the one like scene of of gary ridway having his kid in the car and like killing people and i'm like follow up please yeah that is yeah it's pretty Um, creepy because, I mean, that would have been a really easy way to delve into, like, the extreme creepiness of, of Gary Ridgway. The other one was... Well, not only... So so there we go. What an awesome story that would have been yeah. to have told a story of Gary Ridgway's relationship with his child and then Tom Jensen's relationship with Jeff. Dude. Right? Like, and compare the two yeah. as parallels as you go. A like lot better s- angles. Something there... That would have been rad. It, it did kind of... I think the more I think about it and the more I think about what I've read here, it just kind of does feel like Jeff Jensen pulled together bits and bits of knowledge that he happened to have and from things that he from dad. talking mm-hmm. with his dad and things that he thought were kind of interesting and then kind of collected them and only only cursorily connected them yeah. yeah you know I feel like he wanted to be really true to life and by doing that he was untrue to his dad's story yeah yeah well, yeah. And well, I don't know if untrue is... That might be a little strong, but... Um, having the details doesn't necessarily mean that you have a story. Yeah, that's yeah, fair. Exactly. Because there's much better angles that he could have followed, and he just didn't do it. But, you know, Luke, how, you, how you're saying this, this is kind of a personal story for me, because I grew up in the Green River area. Yeah. Right? So and right around the time when they were finding dead bodies there. And like I said, my dad was a King County Sheriff, and much like... Jeff Jensen's dad, my dad didn't talk about work when he came home. And we just never really asked because whenever we asked him, you know, if what he did, he just did not want to say mm-hmm. because you, you deal with the worst part of humanity when you in, you're in this job and you don't want to bring that home. And he didn't want to sully, sully his, his home life right. with, with his work. And I can kind of see that in Jeff where he's just getting kind of vignettes from his dad only after his dad is done with the job and it's over, then his dad is, okay, well, let me tell you about it. But he's, not, he's still not going to tell him. Didn't even tell worst. him much. Right? No, he didn't. Of all the different other guys that he, he, they had to follow up behind this Green River killer. And they kind of alluded to all this kind of stuff, but he never really fleshed anything out. Um, and it just ends up really bland. It's, yeah. it's kind of like a puff piece to his dad. Like, hey, dad, I love you. I wrote this story about all this stuff. So you know that everything that you did was not, was not for not. Yeah. Not. And 
not. And that's not. where it led for me was that I spent, you know, I spent the first three quarters of the book really like kind of intrigued and in trying to see where they went with it and see how it fleshed out my knowledge of what happened and all sure. this stuff. And then, and then at the end, it, it was just like they still got, they were still getting information, and he went to prison for the rest of his life. The end. No. And my best friend died of ALS. Yeah. It, it was just like yeah, and the, and and it it wow. I don't know the the ending like it started on a high note with that with that scene with him stabbing the kid and the it was like scene is so good. the opening uh-huh. scene is so amazing and it's like oh we're we're showing you the creepiness of Gary Ridgway and this is this is going to be what we show you and then the rest of the book is Jason like Peter's and off. it's just here's like my dad smoking hey look here's here's stuff yeah. that happened here's stuff that happened 20 years ago in a memory and here's Gary Ridgway not saying anything mm. and um they could have even done stuff with him being sort of like the sad forgetful old man like if if they were going as Andy was saying like either go the detective route or go the killer route and if they went the killer route they could have really like delved into showing the memories of him when he's you know in crazy psycho killer mode and then the memories of him when he's in like oh I'm kind of really sad now and yeah can I have a sandwich yeah. I forget which one and I unfortunately, boots. It, can yeah. I have boots right and and that's the unfortunate part about this is that the the Gary Ridgway case, the Green River Killer case, in real life ended on a whimper. Mm. It was we had you know we collected DNA from Gary Ridgway in 1984, but we didn't know how to test it, and then we tested it, and it turns out, yep, this is the guy. And and even the arrest scene in here was a whimper. It was uh-huh. like they come rushing out of their cars, and they're like, Gary Ridgway, you're under arrest. And he's like, Oh, oh. okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. I guess. I guess. Yeah. Okay. What am I under arrest? Oh. Oh, that's right. That the forty-eight women I maybe, killed. Okay. Yeah. Forty-seven. <laughs> and you know, and and that's and that's the the funny thing about it is, don't they? Isn't there a saying about the banality of of evil? Yeah. That, that you know, it, I mean, this guy is the most prolific serial killer. In the in United American States. history, yeah, yeah, in American history, in North American history. The, well, okay, <laughs> yeah, I, I was gonna, you know, vet it, but I mean, it's and. He was like, "Well, I just strangled him because it wasn't good." Well, but yeah. and that's because that's because that's that's the way that shit happens, right? People yeah. people that can differentiate don't do this kind of shit. Yeah, <laughs> so it's exactly. Like, so that kind of brings me to the other like page that, I, that was really compelling most of the way through the book, and I was like, "Why didn't you do other things with this ever?" Is like the one page. It's it's wordless. It's uh, three by three, and it's all bits of. Gary Ridgway's memories of mm. like the women and cats and children that he's yeah. <laughs> attacked or killed, um, and it it does the thing that you do. Uh, this they do this in Black Hole too, of like the panel borders are all woogly, suggesting that the character's mindset is all woogly. It's like and and then like a page later, they have a, a picture of like his Gary Ridgway's son looking out of the car at the Gary Ridgway and taking some prostitute into the woods to kill. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, where was all of that? <laughs> Yeah, there there wasn't much of it, but let's go back to my dad. Um, <laughs> you know, but smoking. Oh yeah, but one thing I do have to say is I really, actually, I really enjoyed the art. It seems like the the yeah, artist the art. did he did do a lot with trying to make this story compelling because uh, just the the first scene when they first started 
interviewing Gary Witchway, and he starts going into it. Well, I really like the woods, and you know, this is how it happened. And you can see from each panel, it goes from from the Him the bunker, the, house. the bunker, into the. It starts melding into the forest, and then it finally, eventually, goes into the forest. You know, yeah. And he, and then he's there. And the funny thing is, he's he's in the area in the forest where he first stabbed that kid, and he was making a little fort for the engines and whatnot. You should and read Stray Bullets. I, you really should. I maybe it's it, got it's. Is it better st- than this? Absolutely. Okay. The is art it, style is very similar. Yeah, but the writing is just phenomenal. So yeah. then, I, I kind of want to hear more what what you think about this, Andy, because you've been really, really, really quiet for this show. So sorry, I have the bladder of an old man, and I tried <laughs> three rock stars today. Um, this. So as I was saying, like the focus drifted between the killer and the 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 cop so much that you really didn't grow attached to the cop or there wasn't enough to get you interested in the killer. Yeah. Um, Especially because you never, like like they show, you never get to see Gary Ridgway's mindset because even he doesn't know what the fuck he yeah, remembers. It's like no. you have a cop who's broken down and not he's like, he, you know, he wants to know what's going on, but he's not really like, action cop. Yeah. And then you have a killer who's feeble-minded. Mm-hmm. There are no strong leads one way or the other. The book doesn't have a focus on who its main character is. That's just my opinion. But yeah, well, you, I, you're yeah. you've you've recapped most of what was said while you were gone. It's yeah. it's just we, we, I think we're all kind of an ingredient. It, it completely meanders. Yeah, the art really has some. There are some standout pages in there. Yeah, but the writing itself, um, meh. Yeah, that's. It's just. Yeah. It's bland, it's monotonous, it doesn't have a central point. And it doesn't have a conclusion. Like it it it's just like it doesn't like, have an arc. Yeah, I would uh, say. Yeah. I agree. That's 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 very good. Yeah, there is no arc there because there is no like the yeah, one like you said, the one main like climactic moment when Gary Ridgway admits to kill killing just because he wanted to, mm. there's no there's nothing to lead to that. There's there's not even like, even if there had been a fuckload more discussion between the cops earlier in the book saying, we need to know why he did this. I want to know why he did this. Why the fuck did this guy do this? There wasn't that. There yeah. was, and and so when you get to there that. There wasn't an established conflict. Yeah, so yeah. when you so get to that. resolution. Com- right. When you get to that point where it's like, why did you do it? Why did you do it? Why did you do it? Because well, I needed to kill somebody. Oh, is that oh. why you killed somebody? And then okay, and the, and it was one. It was out of the blue, and it was. I understand from from the book. I can infer and I can understand the emotional impact that a statement like that would have had on the detective. Could have been you know tracking the murders, right? Like, so it talks but, about him, you know, remembering everything from twenty years ago because he's been following the case, and the killer doesn't. But there's that's one panel in a what hundred and twenty page book, yeah. Mm-hmm. But well, yeah, and that's that's what I was saying is like like I I, underst- I understand why Tom Jensen would have felt the way he did, why he would have walked out of that room, why he would have started crying, why it would have affected him so much. But I didn't get that from the book. I got that from my own inferences of what would yeah, happen it, in that situation, not from the story that I was presented. The guy basically spent twenty years of his life trying to stop what he would consider to be like you know one of the ultimate killers, and the guy just did it because he wanted to. Yeah. Oh. No, no, no. You, I, th- I wish they I felt think up maybe to you that guys, moment. Yeah. I think maybe you guys missed it. The reason, the reason why 
it broke down. And this was the big startling revel- revelation that was supposed to shock everybody. Is the reason why Gary Wedgway did it is because he liked to have sex with dead girls. Sure. Yeah. Well, and that's that's what broke him after he said that. It's like that's the reason why I started burying him because I like go back and have sex with him. And I think that was supposed to be the the oh my gosh, Gary Wedgway is a necrophiliac. It's on two hundred five. That wasn't built okay. up to either. Yeah, there there is no oh yeah climax to that. Yeah, yeah, it was. Hey. Oh. No, it it was because that's that's where they point later on. They say, oh, you know, Jensen's emotional. Uh, Gr about is about to answer about postmortem sex, and then he just he leaves and he breaks down, and he can't take it anymore. Okay, this Meh. is this is where I think the artist. I don't know if this was in the script or not, but the artist is is like <laughs> doing his best. He really is. Uh, there's a scene of them like they're in one of the scenes where they're driving around randomly with Gary Ridgway being like, "You kill people here," and he's like, "Ah," um, but there's a a, a a billboard for not a billboard, whatever movie poster thing outside a movie theater where they put what movies are on. Anyway, marquee. <laughs> like mar- yes. Yeah, what movies are on? Yes. Uh, Hollywood Homicide and Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo. Get it? Finding no one. Uh, 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 uh. So, Joel, to, to further what we were talking about, okay. the continuation of that scene uh, and the, the point is on, on page 219, they, where it, they, they do talk about the necrophilia and they talk about burying the bodies and all that stuff and then they talk about Christine King a bunch and then uh, it's like uh, it's okay. like you got rid of all these women before why did why was it different with Christine why did you do it why did you do it and then he's like I just needed to kill yeah okay and that was You're the right. point where he breaks down it was just like it didn't I don't know it just you win it felt it felt so flat and bland bland yeah. and just kind of like it didn't build to anything, and then yeah. by the time it got to the end, it just kind of stopped. Yeah. It didn't... That's why I'm saying it's a lot like real life. You know? it, it, it is, really, and I don't want to read about real life. I know. I know. You want a little bit more sensational. Uh, Criminals I at least are want... fucking... Like, they can be awesome and clever and whatnot. Like, there's the guys who did the Paris bank robbery by drilling a hole under the street to go into the bank just because they wanted to rob the bank without using guns. That is an awesome crime. Yeah. The sad old man who murdered 47 people yeah. on a whim? Yeah. Meh. I know when you when it comes down to it, I mean, he killed a whole bunch of people in the in in really horrible ways and he's like and I think that's the horrible thing about it is that it's meh. So I think really, I guess my biggest problem with this book is I read comic books for two reasons. Either to think about things in a different light or for just plain entertainment. Mm -hmm. This book doesn't fall under either of those. Mm. It's boring and there's no new ideas presented. Yeah, I think that was the problem. And that was where he should have not felt like he had to stick to reality so much. Yeah. 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 Uh, At least the emotional reality. You know, he could have gone somewhere with it. Yeah, it just makes me wonder, like... Some of the parts, like what what is he trying to convey? Because I know there's there's got to be something there's got to be something there because they always go about uh, La Mancha and you know the impossible Uh quest. You know, there's they always show that, and there's different scenes like um, when his when his buddy tells him, "Hey, I've got ALS," you know, and this this detective who usually keeps it together and is very you know by the book, 
he goes home and totally demolishes his bathroom. Mm-hmm. You know, and then later on afterwards, they they have the whole scene where he's trying to rebuild, retile his 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 floor and rebuild the bathroom up again after he's wrecked it down. I know there's he's trying to say something there, or maybe is it just? Maybe? I mean, I think I think he's, trying. he's trying. He's trying. He's tr- and, and and I think he's trying to offer. I think the goal. I think of this book was like you said it's kind of a it's a story about his dad it's a story about tom jensen and Mm. and the problem is that i don't i just don't feel like i just don't feel like he got it he didn't he didn't he didn't nail it down it feels like he needed it feels like he needed an editor hey needed somebody to here's an idea as opposed to wasting two hours of each of our times, you could have just written your dad a card saying, hey, dad, I love you. I think you're awesome. You would have saved us a grand total of, well, I have it in my pull box, but uh, what, 80 bucks? Yeah. Oh, sorry, $100, yeah. not including tax, and wait, a combined wait. eight hours of our lives. And you know what? Retirement. You probably would have had the same thing. for you know, Your dad would have been like, oh, thanks for the card. This is great. Yeah. Andy's in asshole mode tonight. Yeah. Jeez. Sandy, <laughs> Sandy Crotch. No, I, I, I understand. It's, it's, I understand what he was going for. I just don't think he, I just don't think he succeeded at it. It would have been a great yeah. one shot. Um, yeah, it would have been... It, there's so many there are so many things that we can sit here as critics and say this would have made it better that would have made it better and there are a lot of things that would have made this better and unfortunately it, it just it was it just boils down to the fact that it's just un, uninteresting yeah. yeah yeah well it's about the Green River Killer and and that's one of the things that I said it was like I sat and thought about it and I was like the only thing that made it interesting to me was my relationship to the real life events yeah and even that wore off after a while. Where I started being like, "Come on, get get to the point. What is yeah. the? Wait a minute. There is no point. It's just gonna it's gonna fizzle out the same way it did in real life. And I'm not gonna see. I'm not gonna get any insight. I'm not gonna get any like. There's nothing's gonna nothing yeah. is gonna make it interesting and, to me than more was, interesting to me than. Hey, by the way, we caught the Green River Killer off of DNA, yeah. and he's in jail. And that was the big blue ball moment. And then at the very end, the epilogue. I thought, okay, finally, this is where he's gonna, you know, really. Amaze me and whatnot. No. no. Okay. Now that's it's, that's something that I actually wanted to mention too, like the epilogue. So, my mom, like I said, my mom was a huge uh, um, crime. crime, true crime reader. She was a, she's a humongous Anne Rice fan or Anne yeah. Rule fan. <laughs> Anne Rice. Yeah, no, that's true Anne crime. Rice is true crime. So, yeah, Damn like, it. Anne Rice uh, is true crime. Huge Ouch. Anne Rule fan. She read every Anne Rule, and Anne Rule has uh, the book The Stranger Beside Me, which mm. was the one about Ted Bundy, which is. I've read about half of that book and it's fucking riveting, right? Like the yeah. way that she writes it, the way that the stories that she tells, she picks the parts that are interesting. Bundy you know, was an interesting guy though. Bundy was an interesting guy. I mean, a serial killer who uh, joined a task force to find himself. That's pretty <laughs> fucking balls. spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that all of those books do is not only give you the narrative and tell you what, you know what happened in this crime and who the players were and all of the shit that that was involved they give you connecting real life stories and pictures of the shit that went on mm-hmm. right so like if you look in any Anne rule book it's it's usually in the center of the book instead of the back but there will be probably a 20 page segment just of pictures of everybody mm-hmm. involved locations things that you can 
tag in your mind and be like, that's what this looks like, and that's yeah. who that is. And then in the back of the book, it'll have a huge bibliography of of research papers, things that you know, news articles, things that happen, places where you can look this up. And this has none of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It has it it. I was really really hoping that by the time I got to the end of this, I would see like. I'd get a link to a YouTube clip of the TV show that had the dude from Dallas on it, right? right. You know, the, the Patrick Duffy TV show. So, because that would be cool. I would be like, oh, they're putting this in here and it has Patrick Duffy. I should be able to find that. I, I couldn't find it on YouTube. And I would kill to see a link to that. I would kill to see, you know, pictures or like a like a news article about about um, Ridgeway's arrest. Or they talk about in here about how his dad appeared in front of cameras and was on TV and talked about this stuff every once in a while and hated it. Show me a news clip of Tom Jensen on TV talking mm-hmm. about catch, capturing the Green River Killer. You know, g- give me something that gives context to what I'm reading because, yeah. frankly, the storyline is just blah. Yeah. So without that yeah. and without that connection to real life, I just it's just got nothing going for okay, it. Okay, here's a key here's a key thing. God, I thought I was gonna be positive about this at the beginning of the show and the more uh, I thought about it the more no, I realized I just no. we had him sip on the haterade. Hey. <laughs> so the Jeff Jensen bio in the back says he is a senior writer for Entertainment Weekly. He is used to journalistic writing. He was trying to do something personal, but I don't think he quite knew how to do personal, which is ironic because Neither did Mr. Ridgeway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ayo! <laughs> oh, okay. So this, not to, bes- not to, you know. Besmirch. You're trying not to besmirch, besmirch Jeff Jensen. Yeah. Jeff As- Jensen or Tom Jensen, you know, because it's their lives and everything. So, but so- one, of the, one of the key problems that I had with this is that after everything, after going through all this detective comments and, and uh, comments and his detective work, and we finally get down to it, and they, they're finally interviewing Gary Ridgway. And it turns out that Tom Jensen's not even a cop. Not at the time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It threw, it threw all this thing. And so when they were doing the task force and talking about this, hey, we've got Ridgway. You know, we're going to interview this guy, and we're going to interrogate him. And he's like, I want to be on this. You know, I should be on this. I'm the most personal to this. You're not even a cop. You shouldn't well, even he, be in He that. was a cop. He was, but now he's a consultant. Yes. He's not He's not a police be- uh, officer anymore. He's not legally bound. There's a little bit of bias that. coming through with it, with well, you in no, this because but, I I but, feel like I feel like that was part of I th- I feel like that was a key point in this story that they were trying to make was that yes, he had retired and yes, he was a consultant, yeah. but he did have the most knowledge and he was the guy that knew the most about the case and he and he even said, yeah. if I can't be in that room, then I'm going to just Reinst- get myself reinstated as a cop so I can be in that room, yeah. and that was Which I thought that he was couldn't have because also, and he this is pass the the tests. This is their stakes issue um, and structure issue in general. You said when he finally gets to interview Ridgeway, the first scene of that is on page thirty-eight of two hundred and thirty-four. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, okay, yeah. but this is the same thing. It's kind of like a paralegal going to court to to court to argue a case. You know, yes, you can build the case for the lawyer, but the lawyer is the one yeah. that does the case. So and oh, that's sorry. the one thing. Uh, no, I'm just, and I'm not going to let you in. On, I'm just, I'm ranting now. I just, just want to point something out. Okay, okay. Joel, raised by cop. Okay, yeah. what, what do you? What do you? What is your biggest beef? 
cops? Well, I mean, like, no, that he wasn't a cop during well, the I mean, time. You know, you Unrealistic the portrayal of police procedure kay. in a police procedural. Thank my, you, Anne. My dad was Can a... Can you be me? <laughs> criminal. <Yeah. laughs> my, hey. my biggest complaint, the killer is boring. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's beautiful. I think it's just kind of funny. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, I'm... Flip side of the coin, yeah. I think I don't think any of us are are as impressed as the press was with this book. I don't think it's Stephen it King just, is a goddamn liar. Uh, yeah. Well, well, he says that it's got the scariest opening sequence, which is true. The opening yeah. sequence the was opening brilliant. The opening sequence is great. And the novel as a whole makes compelling stay up late reading. Seriously, did it take anyone more than it 2 hours? It compelled me to stay no. up late because I had to do it for the show. It was real easy to flip through. Yeah. So buy, borrow or burn. Borrow. borrow if you're really into true crime or green killer stuff otherwise burn yeah. i would rather read boring girl and super truck <laughs> super truck and boring girl. burn burn i'm i'm where Anne is i was like i well you know what no i'm gonna say burn because even for people who are super interested in this case it doesn't present anything that you didn't already get really really i don't for option it, d like rewrite <laughs> Because <laughs> it's it's such a good idea. Yeah, it is. It, the, I, there were some compelling things to it. Even <sighs> even that that vagrant or uh, vagrant. Gosh, uh, even the weird guy. I'd rather read Breed I, Three. I give up. Stop talking. I just give up. So, uh, if you do want to go get this book now, so. The one here's the one positive thing I will say about this book. Uh, no, so we, we have been very positive about the artwork. artwork the artwork is amazing. Is, the artwork yeah. is exceptional in this book. Uh, I don't want to bag on Jonathan Case at all because his art is is spectacular. Um, the book is gorgeous. Like as constructed, the way it's constructed, the way it looks, the the quality of the printing is amazing. If you do want to go get it, it's published by Dark Horse. It's available in hardcover only. It is twenty four ninety nine. Um, you can get it. A lot of comic shops don't have it. Like they got one, and that's all they're going to get. So you can probably get it on like Amazon. Uh, it showed up on Thwipster last week. Uh, so I'm sure it'll show there again. Um, you know what? It's going to end up in someone's top one hundred comics list because it's just not comicy enough for mm. someone who's not comicy who's making a comics list. That's true. Maybe true. like the Entertainment Weekly Top 100 Comics. Perhaps. <laughs> Bet it does. <laughs> so our next show, we are going to do Astonishing X-Men. We're going to do the first 12 issues, the fir- which is the first trade volume, or I te- guess technically the first two trades. First two trades first full hardcover and the first half of the omnibus <laughs> so Rad. um it is going to be the first the first 12 issue run by um uh joss whedon on on the book mm-hmm. uh with john cassidy doing the art the guy who also drew planetary who is amazing and um not that was the other part of your trifecta what planetary it was planetary next wave and now you're reading criminal, criminal. I could, I, I, <laughs> yeah, I read. I'm reading a lot of good shit right now. So, anyway, um, so we're doing astonishing. Uh, we will record that show in two weeks. Uh, so today's September 27th. 
figure the Tuesday that's two weeks from September 27th. I don't know. I'm not, I'm bad at doing math right now. That'll be like October 10th, 11th, 10th or 11th. 10th. Um, uh, if you have questions 11th. for the astonishing X-Men show, send them to us. If you have comments about, uh, if you have comments about, um, what we said about green river killer, please let us know. You can comment on, uh, you can comment on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash trade secrets. Um, you can uh, send us comments on Twitter at Trade Secrets Pod. You can individually flame and or praise us on Twitter. Uh, I am at Geek Elite. Anne is at Anne Bean Tweets. Uh, Andy is at Mathtastrophe. Joel is at Superfly. You can rate us on iTunes to help out the show, get us more listeners. You can review us on Zoom. We are on Zoom. So uh, go to social.zoom.net and search for Trade Secrets Podcast. Um, Are we on Stitcher yet? Say that again. Are we on Stitcher yet? No, we're not on Stitcher yet. So, uh, and that's that's in flux. I'm not sure whether that's going to happen. So, uh, and again, if you have questions for the next show for Astonishing X Men or comments about this show or anything you want us to deal with on the show, you can email us at tradesecrets at geekerific or you can post those questions to any of the forms I mentioned earlier. Uh, thank you, Anne. Thank you. Thank you, Joel. <laughs> thank you, Andy. I am I am Luke and it's we are all toast. <laughs>